Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. On Commons People This Week. I am prepared to accept the government's difficulty and support it. Tory rebellion on Brexit cooled off again. So across the nation, taxpayers will have to contribute a bit more in a fair and balanced way to support the NHS we all use. A whip round for the health service on its 70th birthday. Music, art, poetry, dreaming, fun, happiness, great day out. That's Corbyn's view of Labour Live, but what does our Ned Simons think? All of this and more on Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People, HuffPost UK's politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett. And this week I'm joined by Mr. Paul Wall. Hello, Paul. Hello. And joined by Ned Simons. Hello, Ned. Hello. I'm looking forward to your Labour Live report. <laughs> Gonzo, <Can't> <laughs> Gonzo journalism. Um, let's, uh, first of all, before we get to Labour, let's deal with... Brexit, I'm afraid. Uh, Theresa May avoided an embarrassing defeat over Brexit uh, after a last-minute concession to Tory rebels on Parliament's so-called meaningful vote. It seemed that the government was set for a knife-edge vote in the Commons on Wednesday on whether Parliament should have the power to take over the Brexit negotiations in the case of a no-deal scenario with Brussels. Uh, Tory rebels led by former Attorney General Dominic Grieve were frustrated with a government proposal which would see just a neutral motion put before the House in case of a no deal. However, just minutes before MPs debated the issue, Brexit Secretary David Davis appeared to offer a compromise which said that any motion put down perhaps might be amendable after all. Here's Dominic Grieve explaining why he was no longer going to vote for the amendment which he was still proposing. Obvious acknowledgement of the sovereignty of this place and its over the executive in black and white language. I am prepared to accept the government's difficulty and support it. I, I am prepared. I am prepared to accept the government's difficulty and, in the circumstances, to accept the form of amendment it wants. And with that, the rebellion was off. There was a six, six Tory MPs did rebel, but the government won uh, quite handsomely, really, given the fact that it hasn't got a majority. And everyone was sort of scratching their heads, going, Dominic, why do you keep doing this? Can we stop calling him a rebel? Because don't you have to actually He's rebel? He's never rebelled, is he? Yeah. Exactly. Like, his rebel leader once. who... The meaningful it, vote last year, didn't he, rebel? But yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it, good point, yeah. He, he really is extraordinary, isn't it? It's, it's not rebel without a cause, it's cause without a rebel. <laughs> now, that's what we should classify it. The crucial thing is is that actually a few people around him did manage to vote against the government, mm. but obviously when he backed down, that made all the difference. Even if Labour had all voted you know, together in the same way, and they, had, if they'd, ha, they managed to get down their own rebels, but even if they'd all voted in the same way in Labour, the government would have still won because Dominic Grieve and a few others, it's not just Dominic Grieve, it's people like Stephen Hammond, it's Bob Neill, you know, it shouldn't just be Grieve that's singled out here, but he carried with him a few people that made all the difference. And I think, you know, Labour quite rightly now saying, well, that's it, you can't really trust Grieve and co, the so-called rebels ever again. And it's true that they thought this was the big moment this 
this in in the entire parliamentary year because this was about parliament getting control. It wasn't about individual specific issues like single market or customs. It was about a specific point of should MPs, should parliament have more of a say over the Brexit deal. And if as it's the case, Dominic Grieve has sort of been bought off quite cheaply on that, then there's nothing else really where Labour's going to get the big numbers. It seems really that this is the first rebellion in history that was quelled by a clarification. Because <laughs> all David Davis put out was a clarification that when it comes to a so-called neutral motion that is deemed to be unamendable, it's for the Speaker to rule whether or not it's unamendable. But my understanding of that is the Speaker can't, decide to make something amendable or unamendable. He can just rule on whether what has been put forward meets the criteria <laughs> to be amendable or unamendable. So actually, oh the Speaker can't change the rules. He just has to say whether the rules are implemented. So yeah. what has he... What have they actually got out of this? Yeah, and also I think there was a lot of chat about how, we'll actually, no, the big fight now will be the trade bill and et cetera, et cetera. And that's just not the case, is it? I mean, as Paul's just said, this was about, notionally, the idea of parliamentary sovereignty. You think you could have a wider support, a wider rebellion, not based on the, the you know, the, the practical Im- impact of Brexit, but the procedure. So if you can't win on that, you can't get enough Tory rebels on that side, you're not going to get anything on the customs yeah. bill. and that's why the, the Lords matter on rather. this as well. The Lords have got a legitimate right to talk about the rights of Parliament. The Lords, as an election, Elected peers have no rights to mm. really direct anyone when it comes to individual specific policies. But there's a split. I mean, what was interesting was there's a split here between, uh, just as the Brexiteers are split between these so-called hedgers and ditchers, those who really want no deal and those who, who will live with it in, in the hope that it might get better, Brexit deal. Um, there's a split between the Remainers as well. And uh, as one of them was saying to me earlier today, there's the Doms and the non-Doms. There's basically, there's the Dominic Grieve crowd, people like Stephen Hammond and co, and Nicky Morgan now as well, who want to be loyal to the government uh, up to a point. And, there, and there's the non-Doms, your Anna Soubrys, your Ken Clarks, your Philip Lees, who are really dug in. And that that, that division is, is, is quite significant because, I mean, that when you put them all together, Labour say, well, actually, we've got a different name for them. They're the new Wets. They're wets. That's all they are. That you can't trust them. How much um, is there a case that in that split, it's a genuine question, that the ones who still rebelled, how much is it that actually they do want to stop Brexit? And the ones that didn't, like Grieve, actually were, were being honest when they said, no, 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 we don't want to stop it. We just want to make sure it happens in, in the proper way. Is that fair at all? Or? Well, I think Subi would say it is unfair. She says she's not trying to stop mm. Brexit, but ultimately, you know, the next big debate will be whether it'll be a second vote. But mm. I think given what's happened this week, I think you can forget mm. any sense of a second referendum. Yeah. I think that um, with with Grieve, it seemed to me actually that it wasn't that he was leading people not to rebel. A lot of people had already decided they weren't going to rebel. I was talking to one potential Tory rebel um, even before the David Davis clarification was out, and they said this isn't the hill to die on. All this, you know, or oh, we need to get a, a procedure in place if there's no deal. So if there was no deal, the government would fall anyway. So Tom Tugendhat yeah. said this publicly. Yeah. So the notion that you need this codified, they said it's not the right thing to rebel on. Like, kind of, do you get that is argument? The, is there a case? I, I saw you when you tweeted that. Is there a case that they, people, maybe some of the rebels, want to individually die on the hill of of the customs union in the trade bill, but want to do that without actually? making the government lose so they can individually say well i voted my conscience on my beliefs on the customs union mm. on the eea etc but they can't be accused of then you know toppling the government in in a way that if the government had lost this vote they could have been accused of i think but i think you can still be accused of the customs union can't you if you if you pass an amendment saying well, you must keep the uk no but under the in the kind of perhaps expectation you could vote um that way but the, the government would still win when it's not a knife-edge vote 
Oh, so you're saying they'd rebel and uh, but, but not the knowledge, the government, yeah, the government. yeah. It's a risky strategy, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that how we but, ended up with Brexit? <laughs> People were voting, thinking yeah. this won't happen anyway. Well, quite. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm led to believe. Um, wasn't a good look f- getting poor old Laura Pidcock and um, Naz Shah in from Labour, was it, Paul, to come and vote? The, the Tories, there's a tradition of nodding people through, which is, you know, if, if someone is too ill to vote, no one's just on the premises, which can go and say, OK, we don't need to physically vote. But they were apparently making them do it, or were they? Well, Andrea Leadsom today blamed Labour for Naz Shah going through those the voting lobby in a wheelchair. She said, basically, you know, it, why did she come down from Bradford in the first place? Why did Labour insist on that? That that was nothing to do with the government, they say. Labour counters actually, look, we always are allowing last-minute nodding through. You know, we Labour, I talked to Mark Tammy, the pairing whip today, and he very rarely talks on the record, and he said, look, I do this regularly, even at the late-notice bit, even during during a vote, I've sometimes allowed two, three Tories to come up to me and say, actually, can we nod them through? And I say, yeah. So for him, the notice point is a bogus one. And they felt that at noon, g- given that the vote was at half three, that was plenty of notice. So it wasn't just Nash Shah, there, was, there were five others that Labour wanted to nod through. People were really, you know, in wheelchairs on, on, and quite ill. Uh, Paul Flynn, who's in, been in a wheelchair for a long time, is getting is increasingly ill. Um, and, you know, he's just another example. It, was, it wasn't it was just about Nash Shah. So Labour feels this was a real breach of trust. Um, and I was told, um, I'm not going to say who, t- who told me this, but it's all down to Julian Smith, the chief whip. In other words, the pairing whip, who's, who's the opposite number of Mark Tammy, Andrew Stevenson, actually felt quite... Uh, embarrassed that are having to de- defend this and and to actually deny these requests. Similarly, the the, the, the prime minister's PPS, Chris Chris Pincher, were um, or one of his PPSs was quite quite sort of shamefaced about it. Um, so as someone said to me, you can't even fart in the government whip's office without Julian Smith say so, and that's what this is all about. Good rule there for everyone. Uh, let's move on to the NHS because it's going to get an extra three hundred and eighty-four million pound a week after Brexit. Theresa May said uh, to mark the 70th anniversary of the health service. The Prime Minister promised the NHS will receive the additional money, additional £20 billion in real terms by 2024. But experts have cautioned that the figure falls short of the amount needed to bring even modest improvements. It's expected that taxes and borrowing will have to rise to pay for the increase, as the Brexit dividend may not be as much as Theresa May is hoping. Here is a clip. Some of the extra funding I'm promising today will come from using the money we will no longer spend on our annual membership subscription to the European Union after we have left. But the commitment I'm making goes beyond that Brexit dividend, because the scale of our ambition for our NHS is greater still. So across the nation, taxpayers will have to contribute a bit more in a fair and balanced way to support the NHS we all use. And in a through-the-looking-glass moment of the world here, here's Jeremy Corbyn um, basically attacking this sort of fairy tale economics. Our net contribution to the European Union is about £8.5 billion a year. £600 million a week is over £30 billion a year. Mr Speaker, her figures are so dodgy... They belong on the side of a bus. And I said before that clip, you know, through the looking glass thing, because it was a strange sight <laughs> to see a Tory MP defending funding the NHS through additional borrowing and unspecified tax rises, and yeah. a Labour, <laughs> and Jeremy Corbyn accusing her of being fluffy in the detail. I mean, this is, this is, Matt, to, yeah. to quote Blazing Squad, they flip reversed it now, didn't they? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, and all the fact the cheek of trying to get away this Brexit dividend idea when you know they like you said funding up to twenty twenty four. Well, we've already spent the money they said we'd get back from it in that period of time anyway. So they keep saying in their defence. Well, if we don't spend money on membership of the EU, we get that back in isolation. That's true, but you've already spent it. So and, it's no, and not only have you already spent it because you've agreed things like subsidies for farmers. Yeah, and so, the, and the, the divorce bills so and to the speak. divorce bill forty billion. And then also, if your economy takes a hit, which is the government is remember the government accepts the, yeah. the economy will take a hit. You lend raise less money from taxation, so you then got to prop that up with things, and that completely destroys the Brexit. Di- there is no Brexit dividend, and I think the guy from but, the guy from the IFS think he said this, didn't he? Yeah, no, but I guess it? their calculation um, politically must be that people think there is. So saying there is, yeah, it's quite people, always, people already I mean, believe they, they think that, there is one, so, so they'll keep saying it. You yeah. know? Well, you tell a lie a lot. And, I mean, in a way, it's a distraction, the Brexit dividend thing, because the really interesting thing will be which taxes they now raise to fill the gap. Um, it's been clear that he wants to stick to his fiscal rules. His fiscal rules mean getting borrowing down. Yeah, exactly. So it won't be extra borrowing necessarily. It might be tighter spending. So other departments might, education, which is already under the cosh and caused them a lot of trouble at the last election. That might be a problem. Um, but... I think that there are some key sort of low-hanging fruit that Labour was always going to do, and they might end up doing Labour's policies, which is cancelling a, rise, a, a cut in corporation tax. That would save you billions, I mean large chunks of money, um, and would get the government actually off the hook of this idea that you're only helping the rich rather than everyone else. So there's that corporation tax, which it, Hammond could easily stop happening. But the other things that actually will the government have the balls to do i don't know for example pension tax relief for higher rate earners again a lot of money there why should higher rate taxpayers get a higher rate of pension tax relief than everyone else why should they it's not really justifiable and one of the biggies though which will we have the guts to take on the gray vote and make sure that people pensioners who are working do pay national insurance at the moment it's extraordinary you're a pensioner and you continue your job just because you're over 65. You don't any pay any national insurance anymore. That is an anomaly that's got to end. I mean, even I people. I mean, to be fair, though, Theresa May's pissed every other group of voters. She might as well go for the elderly. <laughs> yeah, did well in the last. Yeah, election, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Christ. <laughs> but get rid of these. Get these tax hikes out of the way early in the Parliament. You never know. Yeah, um, I mean, the whole NHS thing. That's basically trying to, you know, uh, the whole NHS thing is trying to part their tanks on Labour's lawn, isn't it? I mean, is it because, you know, the 70th anniversary is coming up. There's going to be lots of talk about how great the NHS is. Labour are going to use it to say, oh, it's underfunded. So get in early. Do this early. So Otherwise, it looks like you've been bounced into it two months down the road, doesn't it? Is that why Is that why they've done this? Yeah, it's all about the idea that somehow they stand for the NHS. It's about neutralising the issue rather than necessarily weaponising it, put it that way. Uh, this week's quiz is <laughs> NHS related. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> NHS? Is it about who runs the NHS, NHS in Wales? NHS no. <laughs> NHS and NHS no. Very good. Yeah, because I was lazy. Uh, the NHS is one of the world's largest employers, isn't it, Ned? Yeah. I'm going to name you something, and you need to tell me whether it's got more oh, this is good. employees yeah. okay. than the NHS. I'm just checking because I've got two different sets of figures here. <laughs> let's go with this set of figures from... No, let's not go with that set of figures. <laughs> let's go with this, this set of figures. Happens, this is folks. from um, the World Economic Forum. Uh, Are you going to do the old Indian National Railways? Go on, keep going. That sounds exciting, isn't it? Okay, right. So, the NHS has got 1.4 million employees, apparently. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Does the Indian Railway <laughs> have more or fewer than 
The NHS? I think it has more. The Indian National Railways has I'll, more. I'll say fewer it, to be different. Wait, I don't know if that's NHS or no. Uh, it's actually the same. One point. It's the same. Yeah. Oh, trick yeah, yeah, question. Yeah, trick question. Nothing for repair. Not in this game. Uh, Walmart. Oh. Uh, I think that's got fewer. Yeah, I think fewer, fewer. than the NHS. Incorrect. <gasps> Two point one million. Wow. Um, the Indian Armed Forces. More. No, hang on. Ooh, ooh. I'm, saying, I'm saying that I think the Indian Armed Forces has more than the NHS. So you think I'm saying it has NH, less. No, so you think... It has fewer than the NHS. Fewer. Uh, it does, 1.3 million. Oh, just though. Um, not, just. Not. McDonald's. Uh, uh, well, technically they're all franchises, so they're not directly employed. I'm including the franchises I think in that is figure. still lower. That, that I mean, there's a lot of McDonald's across the world, but yeah. that's... If you can't, you can't have more than more. a million employees at McDonald's, can you? Can yeah, you? I think McDonald's has... If, if Walmart has more, I think McDonald's okay. across the entire world. 1.7 million. <sighs> You're right, Ned. Uh, and finally, the People's Liberation Army of China. Oh, that's like the famous one, but I've forgotten yeah, which way around it is. One. Exactly. <laughs> I can't remember if it's the... I'd say that's got more. 2.3 uh, million. Yeah. So, yes. uh, and the most, the world's largest employer is... Do you know? No. <sighs> Not the BBC's politics team, although you'd be right oh, to think oh. that. Uh, the US okay. Armed Forces? No, that's yes. weird. Oh, is it? Okay. Ooh. US State's Department of Defense. Yeah. How many? 3.2. Wow. wow. More than China. Yeah. I mean, I know I said it. They're getting a bloody fight. They're going to sit around doing it. Like it. Um, right, Ned, you are a hero. Thanks. Not just to me. Yeah. Yeah. We're waiting for that for like three years. How was it? Tell me. Just, I want, I wasn't there, but I want, I'm going to close my eyes now and I want you to describe to me what was it like being at Labour Live? So it was kind of like a village fete, but with a really big stage. It's like a really professional big stage. Lots of nice little solidarity tent, big red tent with some ideas going around. Len McCluskey in Labour. Let me guess. Um, Have we got the Blairites? Yeah, that was a bit of that. Blair got booed, obviously, because that happened. Was Blair there? No. Oh, right. The mention of his name. Oh, the mention. The mention of his name. That would be a story. Yeah. Yeah. There was a literary tent, some nice poems. Let me guess. Owen Jones was over reading out some fucking book, was he? Uh, oh, I think he was. Yeah. I think Aaron Bastani was doing some stuff there as well. There's a momentum tent. Like it wasn't. So in the build up, it was really, really mockable because it was quite funny. And I think a lot of people went there sort of hoping there'd be no one there. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have written a uh, Jamie Corbyn through a festival of socialism and no one turned up. But to be fair to them, there were people there. I reckon there was maybe four. 5,000 people at the event. So now we a good were, Rochdale match. Yeah, we were, now we were told by, we, we were told they'd sold 13,000 tickets. There wasn't 13,000 people there, but there was certainly people there. People were having a good time. The magic numbers were the magic numbers. Great man. Um, when Jeremy Corbyn was speaking, they managed to get everyone near the stage. The yeah. pictures looked good, so it looked like it was quite busy. But it, it was quite elements of the classic kind of farce. You know, I think Kate Elsamore gave a speech on stage. They spelled her name wrong mm. on the sign behind her. There was a lot of, um, there was a Brexit protest, obviously, the kind of um, very What was pro- the reaction to that? Because I saw a clip earlier on with, um, you just mentioned Aaron Bastani on Daily Politics, and he said, oh, they, they was right to throw them out, because I just thought, oh, I thought they were in favour like, of free speech, these bloody lefties. Yeah, What's and, this about? And so they, about 15 um, pro-EU protesters, kind of this young pro-EU group, uh, had up a massive sign during Corbyn's speech telling him to stop backing Brexit yeah. in the middle of the crowd. It didn't really distract many people, to be honest. Um, you could see it, didn't really interrupt anything. They had some, you know, they made their point. 
um, and they were kind of sort of politely told they shouldn't be there anymore, which is a bit weird. Why? Because you're, That's so you're weird. the Labour Party, and there's a lot yeah. of people walking around that the Labour Live with kind of, um, I think it was bollocks to Brexit stickers. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were kind of these weird outliers. It was a Labour Party event full of a lot of, um, and actually also, there was quite a lot of youngish people there. It wasn't just people in their mid 50s. There were people, so younger some... Corbynistas there. What, who... in their 30s? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I try to cling on to my youth by claiming that. No, no, you know, but for, for a politics festival, I mean, it was true that I think the music part of it was perhaps a little bit of a waste of time because the bit that was busy was all the tense about the discussions and the politics yeah. and the chat, which if you're going to judge it against anything, think, could the Conservatives pull off a similar Well, they did the big tent thing, thing which, but that Freeman was only said. a couple of hundred people. Now, yeah, but it's going to be bigger this year. And they're year. doing it, yeah. George Freeman is doing yeah. it again this year. He says it's going to be bigger. So we will see, and then we can compare. I mean, it's easy, it, it's it, easy to mock, and heaven it, knows yeah, I love doing it. it was but it is funny. quite good, right, to get thousands of people together to talk about uh, politics on a Saturday afternoon. Hey, it's not and, bad. And obviously there was a lot of things that gave away a lot of, a lot of tickets away for free, and yeah. it cost the party a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think whilst it wasn't sort of a total car crash, and I think some in Labour were a little bit miffed that they got away with it because then there's this belief within the party that, oh, look, it worked. Let's do it again next year. Whereas if it had been a total crash, they could have killed it off. It seems like um, it, it cost between... them a lot of money and they yeah. didn't make much money back. They didn't sell, as, you know, they gave they had 13,000 tickets sold, but they weren't all sold. You yeah. know? So The only way it's going to work next year is if somehow one of those big stars like Stormzy or someone gives their yeah. services for free yeah. and that means you can sell loads of tickets off the back of it you might even just about break even because even yeah. even with a big star well, it's just, very just hard to a, make money on those projects. Just a smaller projects. venue. I mean, well, it's a smaller venue, exactly. Yeah. And then it seemed to me that it sort of fell between two stools. It wasn't bad enough that you could do loads of really funny stuff. It wasn't roaringly successful enough that you could stick two fingers up to the critics. It was just kind of in yeah, the middle, right? It was, it? Because it was in the middle, I think the people who were behind it, some of them will want to do it again to prove the critics wrong. It worked last time. We want to do it again. Despite well, Ian Lavery said to you, didn't he? We wanted to. Yeah, it'd be back twice as big. Twice next as big. Year, so we'll see. Two K Ossimals. Yeah, right. lovely. But it was um, good fun. Yeah, I was mean, it? in a you know in a in a work kind of way. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks, for that Ned. Um, Greg Hans has resigned. We recorded this. Tune in next week to find out who Greg Hans was uh, <laughs> and who his replacement Look, is. Ma, no be, hands. Yeah, yeah, could it be Dr. Philip Lee or Dr. Who, as someone called him? Should I use a really rude word now? Because someone told me what they called his, his new office Go on. last night. Um, that they called his, because Philip Lee, when he quit the government, you might have to cut this bit out though, they, they, the whips gave him a new office in the parliamentary state, a really small one, really, really small. So they now call it the cunt cupboard. Oh. Oh. I think that's allowed. Okay, right. So listen next week to more <laughs> uh, more Commons people. Boris, the sound engineer isn't happy with that. Bye, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.